You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. I don't have a lot of faith in the gold move right now. I'm not saying this can't be the big one. You know, there could be war breaking out tomorrow. China could invade. There's so many geopolitical events. Gold has turned into the new volatility index. You know, the VIX is almost worthless now. It doesn't really correlate perfectly like it used to. So now gold has become the new VIX. And I respect the move up in gold, and I would play it if you got a good enough pattern. But right now it's gotten overbought. It's it's moved up on, on fear, which is a very strong emotion. You can see the big run it's had from, you know, low 1800s to over 2000. And um, I, I definitely respect it, but gold is still not satisfied. My 1500 handle, which really needs, in my opinion, to be hit before the big explosive move in gold really takes place. Welcome back to Money Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers, with our monthly check-in today with master trader Nick Santiago over at InTheMoneyStocks.com. Nick, welcome back onto the show. You know, we talk gold and you're expecting gold to drop possibly into that $1,500 range before you think that's a generational buying opportunity. However, gold's going the opposite direction. We're over $2,000 an ounce. Uh, do you think it holds here? I have to say, Bill, when, whenever you have a move like we saw the last three to four weeks, gold is moving up on fear. And when uh, a- any trader will tell you there are four emotions in trading, fear, greed, hope, and ignorance. Uh, the legendary Jesse Livermore used to say that. And right now, uh, gold is moving up on fear. You have fear that the banking system is going to plunge. You have fear that the dollar is going to collapse. You have fear that the dollar is no longer going to be the world's reserve currency. So I, I would be cautious here. Um, I would not be a buyer of gold up here, but um, I wouldn't short it yet either because there's just too many unknowns. Now, once you start to see uh, gold pulling back, uh, maybe the dollar starts to strengthen, uh, something like that, then you know, then I would I would look for gold to get into that 1500 level. And let me just say this before we go further. Um, that 1500 level has got to get satisfied. So it has not been, you know, satisfied yet. And, um, when these levels don't get satisfied, I, I don't really trust the moves that are happening. So in other words, I don't have a lot of faith in the gold move right now. I'm not saying this can't be the big one. You know, there could be war breaking out tomorrow. China could invade. There's so many geopolitical events. Gold has turned into the new volatility index. You know, the VIX is almost worthless now. It doesn't really correlate perfectly like it used to. So now gold has become the new VIX. And I respect the move up in gold, and I would play it if you got a good enough pattern. But right now, it's gotten overbought. It's it's moved up on on fear, which is a very strong emotion. You can see the big run it's had from, you know, low 1800s to over 2000. And um, I, I definitely respect it, but gold is still not satisfied. My 1500 handle, which really needs, in my opinion, to be hit before the big explosive move in gold really takes place. And it's going to it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Is this accurate? You believe that the charts, the chart patterns dictate where the price is going to go, not the headlines and the headlines that have driven the fear that have caused people to go into gold. Would that be an accurate statement? That's that's perfectly said, Bill. I couldn't say it any better. Okay. So what would cause you to change your outlook? Look, gold breaks through $2,300. At that point, do you change your outlook? or? Sure. sure. Listen, I, I, I'm never going to say I'm going to be perfect. You got to remember too, gold got very close to that 1500 handle. You know, you got down to what, 16 and change. It was very, very close. And then, you know, it, it, it caught a bid and um, then it was starting to break down again. So was silver. 
and we were going to have another dip before the buying opportunity. Now, let me say this: silver, the silver bottom is in. So that that bottom was made in September. That low is in, but it still needs to do some backing and filling. You know, you still need to get some retraces before it goes higher. Nothing goes up in a straight line, and nothing goes down in a straight line. It's just the way market mechanics are. Um, but for gold, for the gold purpose, if it did break out and it consolidated, I'd just respect the pattern. You know, I just go, I, I've told my members even right now, I said, I'm not shorting gold and I never do it anyway because I own bullion. I own silver and gold bullion and I'm coins. I said, I'm not shorting gold. I said, I'm just not going to be a buyer up here. And I missed that move. I probably should have played it for a trade once the Fed, you know, basically did their discount window to the tune of $150 billion. They did this deal with the other central banks where they're all going to you know, make sure everybody's currency is liquid and they're going to trade it out like that. So yeah, that probably was the so-called QE without being called QE. And that's what gold is telling you. So we, we definitely want to respect the move in gold um, and we'll just have to wait on it. But yeah, if it breaks out here and or goes up further and it consolidates, you know, I, I might participate on that and, and jump in on that pattern. I mean, there's nothing to say uh, I can't be wrong. I'm just saying that it's very, very rare when I have a big, big time frame set up and it doesn't get satisfied. You know, if it had it gotten satisfied, I'd be in gold and I'd be riding it as, as much as possible to the upside. But that hasn't happened. So you're going to win the gold trade either way because you already have exposure to gold. <laughs> that would be oh, something to point out here too, right? I have exposure to gold since 2003. You know, I've never sold a single coin and I have exposure to silver as well. And we just bought silver at, you know, in September at under $17.50 an ounce. So, you know, how can you really go wrong? And, you know, I, I, I keep a little, you know, little token silver right here on my desk. There she is. <laughs> as a 10 ounce bar, you know, so I keep a little reminder, but, um, you know, I have plenty of this stuff and, you know, I think everybody should have some exposure to precious metals, the physical precious metals, as opposed to owning the paper products. Because what happens if, you know, God forbid the market blows up and, you know, you all of a sudden you get a blackout and, you know, these are the things you have to think about now. It's no longer, oh, everything's, you know, roses and daisies here. Things can happen and, you know, you can get an internet blackout. Just look at what happened to these banks, Silicon Valley, um, Signature Bank. Uh, Silvergate Bank. I mean, it, it's incredible. Look at Charles Schwab. Charles Schwab went from 80 to 45 in a heartbeat. So, you know, again, we're in an unstable environment, and this is why gold is pre uh, performing the way it is. Nick, when there is fear pervading the system, you mentioned Schwab, which is a, a broker, not just a bank. Uh, what do you think about, you know, the money you hold with a broker? Is that safe? Some people, like going back to 2012, when I really got into gold, they would say, hold physical certificates within your own possession only. You know, that's an extreme position. What's your take? Yeah, well, that's kind of the what you have to do. I mean, if you really want to be you know, safe about it, I think um, these institutions will be bailed out until it's too big of a problem and it can't be bailed out. Um, you know, you, you have to be you have to be very careful. All you got is FDIC and SIPC protecting you there. And Quite frankly, though, if the system goes and and it's gonna go, you know that where we've crossed the Rubicon already. You know what, what do you have? Maybe ten years left of this. I mean, it's it, it's so outlandish at this stage of the game, the debt and um, all, all the antics that are pulled. But you know, you, you just have to be careful. I mean, that's why I, I tell everybody: just have precious metals, have something, 
You know, have a little garden in your backyard in case you need that too. I mean, you know, you, you're going to have to start networking with people and, and have, you know, sources of beef and chicken and eggs or whatever you need. I, this is crazy. This is a crazy time. And I'd probably sound like a nut job even talking like this because if you turn on, you know, CNBC or Bloomberg, you know, they're going to tell you everything is fine. But, you know, you just had Silvergate, which had a lot of billionaires uh, that had deposits in that bank that were just bailed out. Now, you know, are they going to do the same thing for the little mom and pop that have, you know, their little savings bank down, down the road in, you know, Kentucky? I don't think so. That was Silicon Valley. There were a lot of major uh, Fortune 500 companies that had capital there. And, you know, those guys, the depositors got bailed out. So we are no longer living in a really a capitalist society. It's become, you know, very, very more uh, a socialist society. And, um, you know, you're going to have to really, you know, be cautious of, of your money while it's still worth something. I don't know how long that lasts. Nick, uh, the USD had an analyst on the show recently. He said if it breaks 90, down she goes. Would you agree with that analysis? Um, not necessarily. I mean, you're talking about the dollar. Mm -hmm. so, yes. You know, if you look at the Dixie right now, we still got a lot of support around 100. Now, any break below 90, I would have to see how that break was made to make a determination like that. For me, we're still showing a lot of support around 100. A lot of people are counting the dollar out already because you have other countries now starting to team up together and trade in, you know, Chinese yuan or in another another currency. But the dollar is still the world's reserve currency, and it probably will be that way, in my opinion, for at least two to three more years. Um, but I do see, and we've talked about it on, on prior shows, that yes, it, it is coming to an end. And you know, whether it's intentional or not, I, I can't say. But I, you know, you can see that um, the fabric is starting to break apart. But I still think you have time before that actually happens. You mentioned the bottom for silver is in. We're at 25 bucks today per ounce. If someone wants to get into silver, what retrace levels are you looking at? Well, I, I was honestly hoping we were going to see a retrace down to 18. But um, I'm not so sure about that now that we've had this big explosive move along with gold. So now I would watch for pattern. If you can consolidate for a bit here, um, then you know it would take a bit of consolidation or a while. Or else you'd have a nice retrace. I'm not sure the exact level because I got to see how the pattern forms first. But you know, if you're longer term, you know, own silver at any cost here. You know, because it's going well above 30 into the mid 30s easily. And then um, you know, if you could get that retrace, you know, I'd say anywhere around 19 to 18. I mean, it's it's a gift. They, they're putting it on a silver silver platter for you, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, take all you can at that at that point. You mentioned the VIX is becoming useless. <laughs> are you looking to trade that at all or are you avoiding no, that? No, I've avoided it for almost a year and a half now. I have not done a single volatility trade. You know, you got this ODTE now. I mean, there's so many things out there affecting the VIX. It just has not been, you know, they've, they've crushed it. Whatever they've done to it, whatever manipulation they've done to the VIX, it's, it's just not really useful right now. So, you know, there are so many other things to trade. You just kind of leave that alone for the time being. What's the best summer trade you're engaged in right now? Well, I, I've got a trade on right now in natural gas, which I had one on recently. That was a big winner for me. Um, I made 20% in total, 9% on the first half, over 32% on the second half for a swing trade. That's that's a really good Is that percentage. calls on UNG? No, that was just, just owning UNG. I just owned it. I didn't even have 
And, and I, I, I do have options now on UNG as well. And I'm back in uh, owning NatGas here as well. I'm a little bit underwater on it, but nothing bad. Um, but <clears throat> if the pattern on NatGas plays out like I think it is, um, where you have a big bottoming tail in February, a retrace of that bottoming tail, you know, NatGas could be off to the races here. So, you know, no, everybody loved it at 10. Nobody loves it at two. It, it just, it's still baffling to me how that works, but I love it here at this level. What are your best and worst trades of the last 30 days since we last chatted? Oh, uh, let me see. I don't know, man. The, the, my best trades. I've got a few good ones here. It's been a, it's been a very choppy market. So I haven't had a lot of uh, losses yet. You know, that, that's a good thing. But I'm in a KB home trade, which is my worst. And that's an option, a put option. And I had chances to take money, but I was looking for more uh, of a fall. And uh, that has defied gravity. So that's probably my worst trade, KB home. I'm down on that option probably like 70, 80% right now. Um, best trade, obviously, was, uh, was Nat Gas Swing. But I also had you know, several Nat Gas uh, companies. I had Antero Resources at EQT. I had them also as, tr- as swings and as um, call options. So you know, they paid off pretty handsomely. And, um, you know, yesterday we got some news that Pioneer Natural Resources may be getting bought out by uh, ExxonMobil. So you could see the writing on the wall now that these natural gas players are going to get swallowed up. So um, I'm bullish to natural gas stocks right now as well. And what about gr- grains? Had an analyst on the show. He's, he's bullish grains. Do you see the similar thing in the charts? So, you know, I, I track grains a little bit, uh, more particularly wheat. And wheat's got a little bit lower to go first. Um, you know, if you're looking at the WEAT, which is the ETF for wheat, um, that got to go down to around six or a pierce of six, slight pierce of six, load up there. I would be very bullish at that level, which is not very far away. So we're getting there, but uh, you got a little lower to go. And then I would say, yes, I'd be very bullish on the grains, in particular wheat. Last commodity, oil. I know you're expecting it maybe to go down to that $55 range. It's at 80 had a nice run. Uh, what do you see in the near term? Yeah, I mean, that still is the magic number. Um, if it gets there, I mean, I would just load up. I would just, you know, be as bullish as I've ever been, as bullish as I'd be in gold if it could get down to that $50 handle. Um, you know, we just had news that OPEC cut production by 1.15 million barrels a day, OPEC plus. So, you know, what does that do? It caused a spike, but there's a lot of resistance, a lot of overhead resistance for oil right now. Um, but if the dollar dips, you know, that changes things because oil's traded in dollars. And if the dollar falls, that, you know, usually puts a little bit of support underneath uh, crude oil. So, you know, we're going to have to watch the charts on that one as well. But um, nothing has changed my $50 level. And it's going to take a while to get there. But um, if it gets down there, you know, that's the time to load up. And if it doesn't, like gold, we'll just trade the patterns in front of us. You know, it's not, it's not that big a deal. Um, sometimes, you know, you you almost get cursed when you give these, you know, these bottom calls so much, right? Everybody's anticipating or waiting for them, um, because so many have played out and worked out. I understand, you know, everybody's anxious for it to happen, but sometimes these things take time and I'm not, um, a geopolitical forecaster. I'm not somebody that can tell you what the catalyst is going to be. I never know. You know, it's like a movie script, you know, you don't know the, the plots and the twists that are going to take place. But I know charts pretty well, and I know how to read solid support and solid resistance when it occurs. All right. Last question in light of what you said. You're usually about 80% right on your trades is what you've told me in the past. 
Now, when you're expecting oil to go down to 50 or gold, uh, 1500 level or silver, you know, a significant pullback, how often on a percentage basis are you correct on those targets, those pullback targets? Oh, pretty accurate. I would say by the same same amount. Um, you know, there are times that the patterns can change and I just have to change with it as a trader. So I'm never fixated that I have to be right. That's the most foolish thing that any trader could ever do. You know, this is a humbling, humbling business. And I'll be the first to tell you in my younger career, I went broke three times, you know, and I was, my mother used to say, Hey, go get a job, a union job like your brother, you know, but I was, you know, just too stupid to quit. I just was, wouldn't, wouldn't quit. So, um, you know, I'm stubborn in that regard, but I'm not stubborn enough to say, Hey, price can't change or pattern can change. And if it does, you got to change with it. If you don't, you know, you're, 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 you're a dead sitting dead duck in the water. So, you know, you have to change with it if it happens. And that's, that's best I can, the best way I could put it. Um, you know, this, this, this business, you know, we never know what the market's going to throw at us. We just try to anticipate uh, an old trading buddy of mine used to say, Nick, we got to anticipate the anticipators. And, uh, and that's what we try to do as best we can. And, you know, we use all different tools, cycles, uh, mathematics, uh, pattern, volume. You know, there are all different array of tools that you put in your tool belt and you, you just try to use them as best you can. If you like the thoughts and the insights you've heard here today and want to learn more about Nick's trading method and uh, the service that he offers, go over to inthemoneystocks.com. Nick, as always, thanks for joining me on the monthly check-in. Uh, it was great to be here, Bill. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10-for-1 returns as there is in small-cap and micro-cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well, or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident. And just do your work as best you can. Do your very best. But don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents. But it requires commitment.
This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.